Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for First Baptist Church Keller TX in the iTunes Store or in the podcast app on your mobile device. And now, here's our associate pastor to families, Tony Richmond. Well, good morning, church family. Open in your Bible to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations, the title of today's message is Hope in God. Hope in God. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. Lamentations 3, 21 through 24, hope in God. Would you like the good news or the bad news first? Yeah. Let's go with the bad news first. The bad news is this. We all deserve the full, just wrath of God. That's the bad news. You ready for the good news now? His mercies are new every morning. Have you heard that passage before? Have you heard that verse? His mercies are new every morning. We like to pray that. We like to praise God, reminding ourselves of that truth. We like to put that verse maybe on the walls of our homes, maybe on our rearview mirror in the car as a reminder to us, his mercies are new every morning. And yet that verse occurs within a passage of scripture with an incredible context. Lamentations chapter three is where we find this verse, his mercies are new every morning. And so today we're gonna see why it's such a big deal that God's mercies are new every morning. To lament something is to cry out aloud about it. In the book of Lamentations, it's a short book of the Bible, only five chapters. Most scholars believe that it was written by Jeremiah. And if you know Jeremiah, he had a nickname, the weeping prophet. Because if you remember from the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was called by God to go to the people and proclaim and ask them to repent from their sins, to go to the nation of Israel and call them to repentance, and yet the people didn't listen to him. And so over and again we see in Jeremiah, but especially in Lamentations, Jeremiah is full of sorrow and he's crying out. In fact, you know the history. Uh, Brother Keith's been talking about it from the book of Daniel. Same period in the history of the nation of Israel. You know that in the year 587, Babylon came in and took Jerusalem and took the Israelites captive. But we know ultimately that was God doing that. Right, the prophets had been warning the people, unless we repent, God will judge us. God's wrath will come onto us and we will be taken away. And that's exactly what happened in 587. Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity. And in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah, the prophet laments 
as he sits in the ashes of this city that's in ruin. And he sees the pitiful condition of God's people. He writes these things and he records these things. But the simple message of the scripture today is this. Because God is God, there is hope. Even in the midst of what seems to be a hopeless situation. Because God is God, there is hope. Even in the midst of what seems to be a hopeless situation. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, unbelief causes us to look at God through our circumstances. And this creates hopelessness. But faith enables us to look at our circumstances through the reality of God and that gives us hope. This is what we see in Lamentations chapter three. In fact, this is the core message of the entire book of Lamentations. In order for us to see the character of God, we must experience the darkness. It's only against the backdrop of this darkness and despair that the light of hope shines forth and brings us encouragement. Look back in Lamentations chapter one, just look in verse one. Lamentations 1.1, Jeremiah says this, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. Jeremiah looks at the city of Jerusalem and says, what happened? Look at this, how can this be? Look at how lonely it is. It's destroyed. The people are gone. What a terrible sight it was. Look down in chapter one, verse 12. Jeremiah says, is it nothing to you all who pass this way? Look and see if there is any pain like my pain which was severely dealt out to me. Now notice this phrase, this sentence, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. You see it there? See, the Bible, the Christian worldview, the book of Lamentations leads us to believe and to have this understanding about human suffering that we are not tumbling through life in this random way. This is not by chance that these things happen to us. It was not by just pure chance that Jerusalem ended up like it was, that God's people ended up in Babylonian captivity. It's not by chance that we're in the circumstances that we are in today in our lives. According to Jeremiah, he says the Lord did these things. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is behind all of it. The Lord is sovereign over all of it. And because of that, we can have hope that there's purpose in the midst of it. This is the story of 
Lamentations. This is what Jeremiah was communicating. Now let's go to chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Let's look in verse 1. Not only did Jeremiah see this from a corporate perspective, he saw this as a very personal thing as well. Lamentations 3.1 says, I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. Lamentations 3.16 through 18. Listen to this language. He has broken my teeth with gravel. Jeremiah is talking about what God has done. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have gotten forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. Jeremiah had lost hope. Maybe there's somebody in this room today and you've lost hope. Maybe because of the circumstances of life, you don't see a way forward. The pressure of it all is too much to bear and you're wondering, how can I go forward? Listen, if that's you, brother or sister, if you've had those thoughts, you're not alone. Jeremiah had those thoughts. Many Christians throughout the ages and saints of God have thought those same things when we've dealt with difficult days. And yet the story doesn't end there. Let's look at our passage, Lamentations 3.21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his companion, compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. You see the perspective change. All of a sudden, Jeremiah stops looking at the circumstances and starts preaching to himself. He starts reminding himself about the nature of God. Who is God? What is God like? It's as if in aeronautical terms, Jeremiah begins flying with the instruments. Did you know that as a part of a pilot's training, a pilot has to be instrument rated? Because here's what we know, right? Airplanes fly through weather and through turbulence. And if a pilot only relies on what they can see out the window and what they can feel in their body, they are fooled and they can crash, right? But there's this panel in front of them that tells them the truth. No matter what's going on out the window, they are called to trust in this panel of instruments. This tells me how high I am. This tells me how level I am. This tells me the path that I need to be on. This is what Jeremiah does here. He stops looking out the window and he trusts in what is really true, the nature of God. And he begins 
preaching to himself. So the first point that we see is Jeremiah expounds truth about God. Verses 22 and 23. He says, I recall these things to mind. What does he recall? Here it is. The Lord's love. The fact that God loves me. The fact that God loves his children. Now we have to be careful here, right? Because when God loves, that's not a responsive emotion that he has. When God loves, that's an act of his will. So when Jeremiah here talks and reminds himself about the love of God, he's thinking about that covenant that God had made with his people, that I will set my love on you. I will pursue you. I will be your God. I will not leave you. And Jeremiah recalls these things to his mind, this loyal love of God that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Some of us, the last couple weeks in Sunday school, have been studying through the book of Song of Solomon. What an incredible picture of God's love to his people. It's this personal, intense, intimate love that he has when he sets his affection on his people. So this is the first encouragement that Jeremiah received, he recalls these things to mind. God loves us. To really see the love of God, we look at the cross, or we look at Christ, and that's where we see John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son So where do we see God's love? We see it at the cross. We have to hold on to it that in the midst of difficult days, we can go back to it and say, God, I I don't know what you're doing. This hurts. This is painful. I don't know what good you can bring out of this circumstance, but here's the truth on the instrument panel of your character. You love me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God loves you. Look at the cross and be reminded of God's love. But not only was it God's love that Jeremiah brought to his mind, but it's that mercy. There's that sentence, there's that phrase, his mercies are new every morning. His compassions are new every morning. We get the picture here of this motherly type of compassion and mercy. The instinct of a godly mother to bless her children for doing what is right and not to punish them for doing what is wrong. This is the mercy of God. The Lord withholds so much of that punishment that we deserve. And think about it in the context here. Jeremiah is calling to recollection that as bad as things are, and they were bad, God was still a God who was withholding what the people actually deserved. Brothers and sisters, no matter how bad it is in our life, we are still receiving the mercy of God. 
It can always be worse. He can actually give us what we deserve, but he doesn't because his mercy is new every morning. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19 says this, Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. His mercy is new every morning. Remember back when the nation of Israel was wandering around in the wilderness and they needed food. How did God provide for them. Every morning they would wake up and go outside and God had provided manna on the ground. Right? If they tried to store it up, it would spoil. They had to rely on God's provision every single day. And that's what we see here. God's mercies are new every morning. It's a paradox. On one hand, it's new. And on the other hand, it happens every morning. What else can you count on every morning? Nothing, right? There's no guarantees in life. Our health, our strength, our family, our jobs, our money, our possessions can be gone by the time the sun comes up in the morning. But if you wake up in the morning, you can count on this. God's mercies are new that morning. They're enough for that day. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was teaching in that Sermon on the Mount. And he was teaching about worry and anxiety. He says these words, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. His mercies are new every morning. This truth will save our lives and our souls again and again if we grasp it and live by it. Because how many times in life do we come to the end of our resources and say, there isn't anything in here anymore. At the end of the day, maybe we lay down our head on the pillow and say, I cannot wake up tomorrow and do this again. I don't have the strength. I can't do it. And at that moment, we desperately need this truth. God will not expect you to carry one more straw with present mercies when the next straw is added, the mercies will be new. So we must not compound today's load fretting over tomorrow's trouble. We must not doubt God and say, I have no more strength. It's impossible to live. That's not true. We won't be asked to live tomorrow on today's strength. What we need today is not tomorrow's strength, but today's faith. That tomorrow's mercies will be new and they'll be enough. 
You see it there? One pastor says it like this. You either live on God day by day or you don't live on God. That's the way it works. It's day by day. It's trusting. So Jeremiah sees how bad it is. He encourages himself. He preaches to himself the truth about God. God, you are a God of love. God, you're a God of mercy. And then look what happens in verse 23, the last phrase. Great is your faithfulness. Do you hear the difference in tone? See, focusing on the truth has set the stage in Jeremiah's life for worship. Now he doesn't say God is a God of love and mercy. Because these things were true, he was led to sing out, if you will, to proclaim out to God, great is your faithfulness. And this is the way that theology must work in our lives. Theology is never an end to itself. It is always a means to an end. In other words, theology leads to doxology. The truth about God should always lead us to worship. Great is your faithfulness. Can we trust God? That's what faithfulness is. It's trustworthiness. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, God, I believe that you are a God who can be trusted. You are faithful. Psalm 119.75, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteousness, are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. We serve a God who is faithful. Many biblical scholars believe that when Jeremiah wrote these things down in this passage, he was reflecting on Exodus chapter 34. And what happened in Exodus chapter 34 is this. This is an instance after Moses had come down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. And when he came down, what were the people doing? They were worshiping a golden calf. Right? And Moses throws the tablets down. They're broken. After that, God, uh, Moses goes back up on the mountain to intercede on behalf of the people. And there God speaks to him and proclaims these words, the Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The history of the nation of Israel was a never ending replay of God's faithfulness over and over. And brothers and sisters, this morning, let me submit to you that our lives are a never-ending pattern of God's faithfulness over and over again. You can trust Him. We can believe Him. He is faithful. And as a result of that, 
He not only exalts God, he exhorts himself. Look down in verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Hope is certainty in God's future provision based on his truth and faithfulness. Did you get that? Biblical hope is certainty in God's future provision based on his truth and faithfulness. So in other words, biblical hope is not the type of hope that we use when we say, I hope the Cowboys win. I hope I catch some fish when I go fishing, right? That's wishful thinking. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is founded in the faithfulness of God. God has a track record over and over of doing these things. Therefore, we can be certain about the future. We can be certain about who God is going to be in the future. This is what Jeremiah says. The Lord is my portion. If the Lord is our portion, we will hope in him. That word portion refers to an inheritance, a possession, a great endowment. Remember when the Israelites were about to cross the river into the promised land, and they eventually did. The, 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 the land was portioned out to the different tribes of the, the 12 tribes of Israel. But if you remember, the tribe of Levi was not given a portion. They were not given inheritance in the land. Numbers 18.20 says this, you shall have no inheritance in the land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion, God says, and your inheritance among the people of Israel. He himself was to be their portion. He himself was to be their inheritance. So for all of those who trust in him, the Lord Jesus is our portion. He is our hope. We hope in him. Psalm 73 Verses 25 and 26, the psalmist says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Here it is. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Is Christ your life? Is Christ your portion could Jesus say of you what he said of Mary when she wouldn't help Martha in the kitchen? Instead, she sat at Jesus' feet and Jesus said, she has chosen the good portion. Have you, are you sitting at the feet of Jesus hoping and trusting in him? And look, we have the rest of the story that Jeremiah didn't even have. He trusted in what he couldn't see, but we have Jesus. We have the testimony, the work, the life of Jesus before us in the pages of scripture. So let's get this quote correctly today. Hebrews 12, two through three. Looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Hope in Christ. He is our hope and strength. The hymn writer got it right. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest fame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Brothers and sisters, things are bad. Things in our world, things in our culture are bad. There's no denying that. And look, this idea that we as Christians need to just suck it up and put on this face like we can go through life and we shouldn't have hurts and we shouldn't have difficult moments and we shouldn't have any type of despair is fake. That's not true. Look, that's not believable because it's not true. When things are hard, they are hard. When we hurt, we hurt. When circumstances are bad, we are led to our knees to lament and to cry out. And yet in the midst of that, we do not lose hope because God is God. There is hope in the midst of what seems to be hopeless situations. Joni Erickson Tata is a lady who has been a quadriplegic since her teen years. And she recently said that she woke up early one morning in the early morning hours and she said, I can't make it another day. I can't do this. I can't go on living anymore. And her helper and encourager was able to be there with her and minister to her, but the truth is, this is honest. Just because we are believers doesn't mean that we don't face very difficult situations that seem too much for us to bear. Look, that whole adage, God will never give us more than we can handle, is a lie. Often he gives us more than we can handle. Why? Because that leads us to run to him. That leads us to do what Jeremiah said in this passage. I lost all hope until I recalled these things to my mind. God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I will hope in you. In the midst of all that's going on in the world, let us not despair. Let us not buy into the lie that we're just randomly being tossed around in this whirlwind of world events. Instead, let us call these things to mind 
and have hope in God. Let's pray. God, you are a God of incredible love and mercy. God, thank you that you don't give us what we deserve. And God, we come to you today appealing to your character. God, have mercy on us. We're sinners. God, we deserve your just wrath. We deserve all of it, the full weight of it. God, and as we look around at what's happening in our world, if we focused on those things, we, we're led to despair. We're led to hopelessness. We don't see how there could be a way forward, but God, we don't focus on those things. Ultimately, we are recalling to mind who you are. You're God of love, mercy, you're sovereign over all these things. And because of that, we say, great is your faithfulness. We will hope in you. God, I would pray for somebody who's here this morning and they've never understood the hope that's found in Christ alone. They've never understood that they're dead because of their sinfulness and they can have true life in Christ that if they'll bow their knee to his lordship in repentance and faith, if they trust in Christ, what he did on the cross, that they can be saved if they call out to you and believe these things. And I pray if there's a person here that doesn't know that eternal hope, that today may be the day of their salvation. And God, for the rest of us, help us to leave today with this deep-rooted encouragement based in the character of God, based in who you are. God, that's our prayer and plea this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.